0: A start on demand. On demand.
1: <laughs> Who dat? Oh, here we go, friends and family of CJOB, Mackley, McCary, McNabb, in for this fine, frigid Tuesday morning. And boy, Greg, it has already been a day. I feel like I've packed hey, sure. in three days in the last three hours.
0: It sure has, uh, you know, I'm working from home this morning because I'm hitting the road today on my way to Hamilton. My flight's at 11.30, which means I have to be at the airport by 9.30, <laughs> which means I was planning to leave home around 8.30 or so and uh, just sort of finish up my laundry, do some yeah, packing no while stress. I casually contribute sure. to the program this morning. <laughs> the boy! The boy! And at four o'clock, you know, normally I'm up at three. I thought, oh, geez, I don't really have to be at work till 4.30. I have the 37-step commute to the basement. Don't have to worry too much. I wake up to a frantic text message from Brett McGarry. So, you
1: guys are not going to believe no. this. No, and so here we here we are. I'm in studio for the first time in, I think, about 17 months. I'm sitting in Brett's chair for the first time ever Because Brett, I think, for the first time ever, at least since I've been at CJOB, Greg, has called in sick. He's not feeling well. Had a bit of that croaky voice, scratchy voice going on yesterday, as many of us did, from yelling at the big game. Uh, But then when he woke up this morning, he thought, nope, ah, something's not right. So I think just before four, he let us know, poor guy, I don't think I can come in. And so then I, 422, I'm scraping off the windshield and gunning it into the (laughs) studio, and here we are. So we're in for a day. It's going to be a good one.
0: How are the highways when we get the hot first-hand highway report from Loren McNabb?
1: They were clear. The wind's only like seven kilometers per hour, so there's no real concern for blowing snow. And the only, that'll be a clear sail, I think, for most people, except for it is cold. The car didn't start right away. I mean, it started, but it had a bit of a slow go to it. So that's something to keep in mind this morning. And then something else to keep in mind, Greg, for everybody who might be waking up and getting your week going. If you're a student at the University of Manitoba, wake up, school's on.
0: That's right. Orvi Dingwall told us yesterday morning about the fact that they had a, uh, you know, an agreement in principle. It just needed to be voted upon. Well, UMFA members did that last night and we got an email at 602 this morning announcing the fact that the strike at the University of Manitoba is over. It goes on. This is the statement here. I'll just read a a short portion of it, Loren. The University of Manitoba Faculty Association has ratified the tentative agreement, ending its 35-day strike with students and faculty returning to class on Tuesday morning. The agreement comes after UMFA members work together with students and community supporters to improve recruitment and retention at the university. And yesterday, Orvi Dingwall told us that this agreement was a multi-year agreement there are no details in this release Lorenzo. so we will be working with umfa and the university of manitoba to get some details and find out just how long will this uh, create labor peace on campus at the u of m
1: you know i was thinking why. Well, i often over the past few weeks, how frustrating it must be for staff, how frustrating it is for the school and particularly for the students. There are those that have been through this a, a couple times over the past few years. And you start to think, where's the security for them? If you're that first year student, who's never been to class yet because of COVID or you're preparing to go back in the, the winter term, if you're that student who's never had a class in at the university because of COVID or, or just has had all this disruption over the past few years with strikes and the threat of strikes it, to hear that it's a multi-year contract, I think, would be positive for most, but I'd love to hear from our listeners, 780 because does this give you or your family or your student a bit of peace of mind, knowing that they've signed a multi-year contract? Are you looking for something more? Is there more that can be done to guarantee this just won't keep happening over and over again?
0: Well, Loren, I look at it this way. When you're a student, you're paying tuition, you're also something else you're a customer. right? And you expect a certain level of service from any service provider. You want dependability. Uh, That is number one. We talk about in sport, the number one ability is availability. Well, in in education, the ability to attend classes is probably at the top of the lists uh, of students as they compare universities across the country. And that's been a big part of this conversation, is how does the University of Manitoba stack up against other institutions of higher learning across the country in terms of its faculty, in terms of its ability to recruit and retain faculty that do a, a wonderful job? Because there is competition. You want to talk about business. If you're looking at a university as a service provider, well, guess what? Not only are they in competition for students across the country and around the world, international students are a big part of university revenue in Canada, but also, Loren, that competition for grade A talent, researchers, professors, etc.
1: Yeah, so money plays in there, but I think... Also, So does the security question for both staff and also for students. So does this damage the reputation of a university when you have a prolonged strike like this? 35 days is a huge chunk of time. There's going to be a big change to their calendar going forward. When does when do they get a break? Will they have one? Reading week, exams, all the rest. We're going to check in and hopefully get uh, members of the Faculty Association on at some point this morning as well as the university and students. 780-6868 where you can send your feedback. And also just because of the craziness of this morning, of me rushing in, you being at home, then you rushing into the airport. Brett not feeling well for the first time in 770 years because he's never the one to call in sick, so you know <laughs> he means it. We're going to talk 645. we got tickets to give away. Our having coffee is, talking is going to be about those moments where um, you maybe had to have that bit of, of a scramble. You might Maybe it was your wedding day and things just started to go south or you had a big trip planned. And your flight's not ready to take off. You know, the moments in life where you thought, oh, my gosh, where is this going to go? Snafu. The snafu. The big snafu. So send your stories. Text them in. I got a lot of buttons in front of me. A lot of bright lights. I'm, like, staring (laughs) out a window. I am not in my basement. I am completely thrown by all, all the senses are alive this morning. This mouse... At Brett's desk. Feels like the most sensitive computer mouse ever. Like it just, the arrow is flying all over the place. And I keep saying to "I uh, do weather next? Do I do traffic? Who does traffic? Like as if I haven't listened to the show for years and years. So here we are, Greg. Good morning.
0: <laughs> Discombobulation exemplified, McNabb.
1: <laughs> We're walking on sunshine, as the song says. We're not going to get much warmer today. But you know what? Uh, we'll warm up later this week. That's the good news. And of course, I'm in for Brett this morning because Brett, for the first time in a long time, maybe ever, uh, isn't feeling well. So he's sick. So I've scrambled to rush in this morning because Greg is on his way to Hamilton, and then he leaves halfway through the show so we can get to the airport. Lots of ups and downs today. That's going to be how we give away Alice Cooper tickets as we explain to you sort of the chicanery of the last three hours uh, in our having coffee talking segment. Let us know about snafus. Ever had a, just a major snafu with work where you were scrambling, a wedding, a trip? Let us know. 780-6868 and you could win Alice Cooper tickets. We have a whack of tickets to give away this morning, Greg. After 7, we've got more show announcements. We have Zoo Light tickets to give away at 7 15 and then of course we do have some important conversations to take place after seven we're going to talk about COVID and schools what are listeners hearing out there about COVID in the classroom are you hearing more cases or is it COVID in your sports team what about testing and rapid testing you know Ontario is sending home more tests with families for the winter break Greg so that when they're home over the holidays they can do those rapid tests before coming back to school so they Kids have a sense of where they're at after all the possible holiday gatherings. Is that something that Manitoba should consider, Greg?
0: Wow. Is that ever a common sense approach, right? Taking the technology that's available, putting it to use in a situation that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I know we're going to speak with Alan Campbell this morning. And uh, I wonder if that's on his radar, if that's an ask that he has of the province, because that just... Loren, when when you told me about that the other day, that just that just makes far too much sense. It's practical, and uh, let's face it, uh, a peace of mind. Canada is the most insured country in the in the world for a reason. We love peace of mind, and if a piece of technology that's been developed in conjunction as a response to what we're dealing with in this COVID nineteen pandemic can ease people's minds over the Christmas break. And you can send your kids back to school with a a greater level of confidence that they're not unwell and the kids that are coming back into school with them are in the same boat. Why in the heck wouldn't you do that?
1: We'll have that chat after 7. As you said, Alan Campbell, Manitoba School Boards Association, he's been sort of checking in with schools and staff over the past few days to see how they're doing. So we'll talk to him at 7.07. But right now, we want to talk about another important conversation because the federal government says it's finally going to turn over thousands of records on Canada's residential schools to the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation. This, Greg, after years of facing criticism for basically their refusal to release any of those papers.
0: Sorry, Loren, uh, just a little editorialization here. It's about time. Abigail Beeman explains when and why Ottawa may be finally handing them over and what's at stake for future generations of Indigenous people.
2: We thought we were less than, and I grew up thinking like that—that that I was less than, and that I was not to ever challenge. Mary Corshain spent ten long years in residential school. She used to call them Canada's dirty little secret. Now she's glad people are listening to stories like hers. It's important to, you know, we think about our generations, our future generations and uh, that they know, that they know what we went through. She's also pleased with the government's commitment to turn over 12,000 documents relating to the residential school system, records it previously argued it couldn't release due to third-party obligations to various Catholic church orders.
3: It is information that um, shouldn't we shouldn't be sitting on simply because we have third-party disclosure obligations to... Uh, uh, to religious orders that were part and parcel of, of, uh, of all the damage that's been caused.
2: The Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations says it will take between 30 and 45 days to hand over the documents to the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation. The NCTR would not do an interview but welcomes the announcement saying in a statement this release is a significant moment for survivors and for Canada and a major step towards accountability and a stronger understanding of the legacy of residential schools.
4: All the documents that are within the hands of the Justice Department need to be turned over. The police evidence, the court evidence, the records that they have of the known predators.
2: This material needs to be transparent. It needs to be searchable. It needs to be accessible. And we need a full sum document turnover. Terpela Fond is calling for an external review of how Canada handled Catholic entities. The government abandoned its appeal of a 2015 court ruling that let the church off the hook from financial obligations to residential school survivors. And all this comes as a contingent of Indigenous leaders from Canada heads to the Vatican later this month to meet the Pope. They're calling for an apology. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa.
1: So will what's released in those papers, maybe change those conversations, Greg, for that trip to the Vatican. Uh, you've been hearing some audio from MMF President David Chartrand in the news run about you know his role that he's going to play in that trip to Rome. We're going to chat with him after eight because he's one of, of about 30 First Nations, Métis and Inuit delegates from across this country who are going to have those private meetings for the Pope. We know an apology is wanted by many of those delegates. Greg, I'm wondering if this release of these documents will maybe change that conversation or change even the tone?
0: Well, perhaps, but uh, based on that report, it's going to take some days, uh, 30, 45 days for those documents to come into possession of the Truth and Reconciliation Centre here at the University of Manitoba and Winnipeg. And so time to go through them would be obviously uh, limited, if, if not impossible. And, you know, when I said it's about time, when you think about Legal proceedings, discoveries, and all the different paperwork, all the different investigations that have either involved police or internal investigations. When you're going to court, and I'm not suggesting that this is a court battle situation, it could turn into this. However, at the very least, the two parties that are sitting across from one another trying to reconcile the massive differences that were we're working on reconciliation towards, if both sides don't have all the information, how is that even possible, Loren? If you have all the information, if you have 45,000 pages of notes, and I have seven, and you're mm-hmm. unwilling to, to share the ones that you've compiled with me, how can we even have an equitable conversation about any topic?
1: It's so cliche to say, but you can't move forward if you don't have a good understanding of what happened in the past. And this is a prime example of that. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, this is where we're at. For the first time in 17 months, I'm back in studio. First time ever. Sitting in Brett's chair, I see faces. I see Cam's face. Hello. You look good, my friend. Oh, I know. It's It's nice to see you, Jeff. Thanks. (laughs) all like, what are you doing in there? Greg's at home because he's on his way to Hamilton later this morning. Brett is under the weather. He's not in. I've got buttons I've been responsible for, things i got to hit I've never done before. (laughs) I, I don't even know. Do I turn everyone's mic on here? I got no, no. Good. All right. Don't th- forget Braun. Braun's here too. <laughs> Do I? And I don't have to touch anything for Braun, right? There <laughs> yes. he is. All right. There's Jeff Braun. So in honor of the fact that uh, it has been a, a morning of mornings already, where we're scrambling all over the place, we want to talk work snafus or holiday snafus, travel snafus. Just those days that just. Uh, from start to finish, we're trouble, but, you know, you rose above. And we have Alice Cooper tickets to give away. We're going to go around Is it the wheel, the horn. What do we say here? What does Brett say? Horn? Is that a thing? <laughs> help me out here. Broke.
5: Yeah, like the, 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 the horn. that's way. what
0: you say in baseball when you throw. <laughs> it's the, the ball from home to third to short to first. Yeah, around the horn.
1: Okay, so I, I Cam's not even making eye contact with me. Yes, I am. He's refusing to look at me just in case I need help. Now
5: this is this is lie. This is a total <laughs> lie. Okay, fabrication. Okay, let's start with you, Cam. Wow, well, I mean, I the first thing that pops in my head when, in this sort of thing is that, of course, everybody knows how dry of a summer we had. We didn't get any significant rainfall for what felt like probably 12, 13 weeks. And, you know, you you schedule an outdoor wedding uh, this past August. And, uh, yeah, the first day we get significant rain happens uh, to be on my wedding day. And, of course, it's outdoors because of COVID and all that other stuff. Which people tell us that's good luck. I'm not so sure, but um, you know what? It was a lot of fun, and and, you know, we just you you can't do anything about it. So what are you going to sit there and you're going to stress about stuff that you have no control over? Um, But yeah, you know what? It was it was still a wonderful day, and and, you know, just made it a little bit special. Everybody's going to remember it, right? You remember how hard it rained after (laughs) didn't get any rain all summer? Did you have to scramble
1: for a tent and everything?
5: I already had that all taken care of. Yeah, yeah.
1: You weren't like under a homemade tarp that your dad put up.
5: Uh no, but you, the funny thing is, we actually had to—we borrowed some of the CGOB tents because we wanted extra cover because it was raining. So uh, Sky and I actually had like uh, broken in. Uh, oh wait, maybe we shouldn't even talk. This maybe I'll okay, I'll, I'll stop. Uh, Off air story. The this is a story for now. seven. Oh yeah, it was we four seven. I Nobody important listening. I, I had to booster <laughs> like over this into the parquet. It was this whole thing? <laughs> I had a booster to the parkade and we got into this. So it's fine. Don't uh, worry about it.
1: There's not, nothing illegal happened. We're moving no, on. Okay. Absolutely not. I feel like Jeff Braun is someone who never, because he's so organized. He's got the cleanest desk I've ever seen. You've never probably had any sort of No, I, I do...
6: I do at some point want to hear the rest of uh, uh, Cam's wedding day I'm, heist story. Uh, oh, I'm, like I'm a, you know what, Mike, Mike Geisen. And making I'm,
5: I'm making it sound a lot more fancy. <laughs> no, Mike Geisen just uh, pulled up a truck and put it in the back of our vehicle, <laughs> and that's all that happened. So,
6: <laughs> okay, no, Loren, you're right. It's not nothing. My story has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with my dad. I'm just going to throw him under the bus right here. I hope he's not listening. But when uh, when I was a kid, we we would go with relatives in New Brunswick and we would go on these marathon vacations, driving trips to New Brunswick and back. So it'd be like, you can't do that in two weeks cause it takes four days to get there. So we'd be like a three week long trip. And on the way back by the time we got home, we'd just be exhausted. And you know how it is when you love going on vacation, but when you're on your way home, all you want to do is get home. So we'd been driving for nearly a week. We're on our way back home. We are at the border at uh, Pembina and Emerson there at Highway 75, 15 minutes away from Altona. And for some reason, my dad lies to the border guard about how long we'd been in the States. He said we'd been in the States the whole time from New Brunswick, but we'd only dipped in at Sault Ste. Marie, Why? Ontario. <laughs> I don't know, because my mom bought a bunch of stuff in the States that put us over the dollar <laughs> limit for oh, shopping. Gosh. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And my dad, for whatever reason, uh, gives a fistful of receipts to prove that we'd been in uh, the states that long except there was a, a gas station receipt from Sault Ste. Marie from the day before in the wad of receipts and uh, didn't <laughs> didn't have to be that bright a border guard to bust my dad on that one and we were stuck there for three or four <laughs> hours while my dad got taken from room to room and screamed at and yelled at oh and, had no. to pay a fine and all this stuff and we were just like I want to go home. Is that when Cam pulled time. up
1: in a truck and uh, rescued you? <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> Jump in, Bronze. We're, head
1: to, uh, we're heading back up north. Oh, that's pretty good. How yeah, was it. That's great, Ron. Thank you. Vortier, uh, you're the one who's in charge of making sure I don't screw up in here, so you can't be one who has any snafus. Oh, you know, actually, I have a snafu that happens at least like once a week. I love to go for walks. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so now that it's cold out, you have layers on, and it's icy out, and I'll be half an hour away from home, and all of a it's like, uh-oh, i got to go to the bathroom. Uh-oh. And so, you know, I'll be trying to run, or not run, but walk a little
5: faster, but it's so icy out that I can't really run faster. <laughs> like speed walking, you get those yeah. hips going? <laughs> yes, exactly, except there's so much ice out there now that I can't get very fast, or else I gonna land on my butt, so... But by the time I do get home, I now
1: have all these layers, and you know, I gotta rip off my boots, I gotta get my jacket off, my ski pants off, and you know, luckily I've made it every time. Every time. It's, you know, It's a, it's a it's it's a race against time. That's really what yeah, it is. Why but. don't you plan a route that just has a washroom along the way? I mean, it, that can't be four hard K, to do. K, Where, you know, I got a, not crazy. going to the
5: bathroom in a public. Knowing him, he's not going. That's not in a public the thing washer. for you.
1: You can't do that, Jeff. Oh, I can. Oh, number one, I can. Number you eat in the two. shower, but you can't go to a public washroom. <laughs> hey, that's my own private shower. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know it's clean. Greg, we have about a minute. At least I think we have. I have no clue when this segment ends. We have about a minute left. Go for it. Jay. Go for we, it. We got. Well, exactly one minute. There you go.
0: One minute okay, then I'll change the story. I was gonna tell. Um, my wedding weekend back in 2000, I better get the year right, I, I typically don't even get the day correct. Uh, 2005, and uh, two days before the wedding, we have a massive snowstorm in Winnipeg. Surprise, surprise, it is uh, essentially, well, it's, it's November 17th, 2005. I've got my best friends coming in from British Columbia, my truck is running on my way to go and get them from the airport. I lock my keys in the truck. And of course, all my family mm. is out doing errands for the wedding. Nobody can come and help me. CAA is two, three hours behind because of the snowstorm. Bottom line is I've got, we've got probably six vehicles at our disposal. I end up having to go to the airport in a taxi cab from North Kildonan to pick up my friends from Vancouver, get them in the cab and head back to North Kildonan. I got home. My truck was still running. <laughs>
1: No one took it. Can no get No one in. took
0: it. It was locked. That was, yeah. the you know, that, that Is was. Is there the a worse the feeling than the, the, the moment
1: end? when you shut the door and you know your keys are inside? And the vehicle. there's. I've been there. There's. Oh. I don't think that feeling. Your heart immediately goes. No. You
5: feel like such an idiot.
1: Yeah. yeah. And yet you
0: go into that slow motion.
1: <laughs> you check all the doors. Check Start your questioning pockets. all the
5: decisions of your
0: life. Right. Where did yep. I go wrong?
1: Was it the <laughs> what <laughs> I ate for breakfast? How was could I've avoided this? Should I wore something different today? Oh, boy. I am having a day, people. Deep breath, Loren. <laughs> in. Oh, I've, saw, I feel like saw. I've been thrown in like a truck that I have no idea how to operate and I'm scared I'm going to crash it at any point as I stare out this bevy of screens in front of me and I've got two computer screens, which I haven't had and. Well over a year and a half. I've got the best working mouse I've ever seen. Mine's always stuck and sticky at home. I can see the sun. No, I can't. But I will eventually see the sun and I don't ever really from my basement because I'm in this morning for Brett. Brett not feeling well. You're at home because why?
0: I'm on my way to Hamilton. I have to get on the plane at 11.35, which means... With all the COVID protocols at airport, et cetera, I have to be there by 9.35, two hours <laughs> early for a domestic flight. I'm in North Kildonan, so it's going to take me a little while to get to the airport. So yeah, I'll hang around with you until eight o'clock and then uh, David Chartrand will join you from the MMF. You've got all sorts of great stuff planned for the rest of the morning <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to listen on the uh, Canada one. Uh, the player app
1: uh, and uh, see how you do. Sure, sure. I'm going to sit in this chair for the first time ever, and then <laughs> you're going to abandon me for 90 minutes of the show. So stay tuned. It can only get better, worse after eight. Uh, for sure. Perfect. we got lots Perfect. of good stuff coming up. We're going to talk about wait times and and backlogs and surgeries uh, in our next segment and where that's putting numbers in the ICU. We have a woman we're going to speak to at 835 whose husband It was supposed to have heart surgery, major heart surgery on Friday. That was canceled. We know there's issues with backlogs there. So we're going to get her thoughts on the impact that has on not just their weight and the mental health toll. That's the impact there when you have to wait for a life-changing surgery like uh, triple bypass but also just the fact that he can't work right now while he's waiting for surgery so there's just a hit to the mental health to the bottom line to your physical health so we'll have that chat at 8 and yes we are going to talk football with Greg heading to Hamilton in just a minute but we- because of the gong show that is the- what happened today with me rushing into work we're talking work and holiday snafus and Greg we got a great text
0: This uh, story, shall I say, puts the F in snafu. For our 30th anniversary, we took our kids and families on an Alaskan cruise. Sounds fantastic. Our son-in-law had never had the opportunity to do much traveling and had many new experiences. Every morning at breakfast, we had a loose plan to meet at breakfast if you were up and awake. On this particular morning, our daughter showed up for breakfast and said her husband was sleeping in. We sat around enjoying a leisurely visit over coffee. After a while, we got frantic or a frantic call from her husband asking where we were and then frantically said, don't leave and hung up the phone. Baffled about what was happening, we continued drinking coffee. When he finally showed up, he said, he wo- when he woke up, he panicked thinking we had left him and gone into port. He ran off the ship and into an awaiting bus thinking it was taking him into town like we had the previous port. After settling on the bus, somebody counted and said they had too many people on board and needed to see everybody's passports. Our son-in-law said he didn't think he needed it just to go into town. They said they were on a seven-day land excursion and he couldn't get off the bus now. <laughs> they drove him across town, dropped him off at a hotel Before they left the area, he told his sob story to the clerk at the hotel and she took pity on him and drove him back to the ship. Our frazzled son-in-law finally joined us while we were still sitting calmly drinking coffee. Yeah, right. Uh, Thank you, Glenda. Wow, what an incredible adventure. Uh, You know, sometimes you don't, if you don't travel, you don't know the rules. I'll never forget the time my girlfriend She'd been across one border. It was at Tawawson between BC and Washington state. We went to Ontario about a month later. Where's the little guy in the hut? How come he didn't ask for our ID? So sometimes you just don't know, Lorette.
1: Yeah, you expect checks where well, there aren't, and, and when they are, you're surprised by those too. So that's for your chance to win tickets to Alex Cooper. Keep your checks coming, 780 We're getting some reports in, Greg, about a major crash at Deacon's Corner right now, so we're going to look into that for folks because we have people talking about a lineup there and potentially uh, fire trucks at Highway 1 uh, just before the perimeter. So we'll look into that and get more from Justin Ruche in a moment. But right now, of course, we have to talk a little football, Forte. Breakfast with the Bombers is brought to you by the Cooperators Fine and advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. And of course, yes, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are on their way to the Grey Cup on the strength of Sunday's 21-17 win over the Rough Riders. And when I say on their way, Greg, it's almost literal. The defending champs leave for Hamilton this morning. Are you on their plane?
0: No, 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 no. They, they wouldn't have me <laughs> on their plane at that Talk about tipping the apple cart. Uh, Last night, head coach Mike O'Shea took your questions and comments on the Coaches Show with Bob Irving. And for all the celebration, Loren, Blue Bomber fans are still asking this.
7: Are you concerned by the command center's blatant inability to see the tip of the football touching the ground on the Duke Williams catch in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter? Ooh, baby, that's a tough one. I don't know that I can really talk about that. (laughs) you could. (laughs) No. (laughs) You think it might not be in your best interest to talk about that? It might not be in my wallet's best interest. Ah, Okay.
0: Here is the playing question.
7: They're going for it, Doug. Oh my goodness. Third and four at the rider. 26, a little less than four. Here's Fajardo in the gun. Make or break now for the rider. He's back to pass. He goes long down the right side. And Duke Williams makes the grab at the Bomber 53. The pass was underthrown, and Williams just held up and made the catch. It looked
3: to me like he pushed off coverage to come back. Watch this. Look at that little shove in the back
7: there. Or did he even catch it? Now they're going to have a look and see whether he caught it. He's injured on the play. The Bombers don't think he caught it. And they'll take another look at this. We'll get another look at play it too.
3: Is under review by the Command center.
7: Oh, well, it's hard to tell on that replay. We we'll get a better look here. Boy, I don't know the nose- I think he caught it. I think he's had a hand underneath there.
1: So the replay officials called it a completed catch. Most fans believe, as the players seem to, there is no way Williams caught the ball. I was in the stand Sunday, man, they were tacked off when that call was made. You. Everyone's going to have their own view. Here's how Bob saw it.
7: It's funny. Well, I'll weigh in a little bit. I, you go right ahead, Bob. Doug, They're not going to find you. Well, no, no, I know. Doug and I saw three or four replays, and, and we couldn't make up our minds. Now, we didn't see one that was clear cut with the ball hitting the ground, but... I understand there is one out there <laughs> so that that's the way i'll weigh in but uh, would you want to leave it at that is that the- yeah i'm going to choose not to comment okay. on it I, I i think they
3: it's not easy you know if you're looking at it like you said you you didn't see it as clear cut as hitting the ground and then you get a different replay right so a lot of that depends on how many replays they get fed by TSN. They get them all though, don't they? In command center, depends how much yeah. time goes by, right? Okay. There, there was an injury on the field, so that yeah. if there wasn't an injury, I would have challenged it. Uh-huh. But there was an injury, so they had all this extra time, right? But to say that they still got all the angles, I, I can't say that I'm not in there. Right.
7: Did you think about challenging for pass interference on the push yeah, off?
3: We 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 talked about that with the with the guys up there about OPI, and and they didn't think it was.
0: Oh, was there something? No, oh, I, th- on I that? thought Mike was going to say something else. There. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Loren. So that's in the rearview mirror now, obviously. And uh, listen, uh, don't blame any Bomber fans you might be watching the game with on Sunday if they get a little bit nervous for any plays that go under review, because I, I, you know, I've seen it multiple times. I think the CFL got that one wrong, unfortunately. Uh, but hey, uh, here we go. Let's uh, look forward to Sunday, Loren.
1: So this is what we have to keep in mind. The Bombers hadn't played a game with any impact on the statting since October 23rd. And Sunday's game was no walk in the park for sure for our team.
0: Yeah, and like the regular season matchups with Saskatchewan where the Bombers gave up zero touchdowns in either game and zero points in either second half. Turnovers meant this game went down to the wire. And one fan thought this might be a good thing.
7: Uh coach yesterday's performance was a spectacular demonstration of how to maintain composure, confidence and focus in the face of adversity. Kudos to the team. Have a great great cup. Would you agree with that view? Yes,
3: I would. I think this was this can be uh the necessary evil. Yeah, we 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 needed this, I believe. It's um for one, once again I said this before, I, I don't think we'll give the ball up like that again. Uh, we can't. Mm-hmm. And and two, I just, it just gives them something to think about, that we can, you just got to keep believing we can do this. And then the re- once again, the reality is we were only down three at half. So if they yeah. take away the emotion of it and just look at a couple of the important facts, try and get rid of all the, the messy garbage that, that they may be thinking about in their head, we were down by three.
0: Bob Irving on his way to Hamilton as well today. We've got it all covered for you, Loren. Start to finish here on 680 CJOB. And for everyone asking me for digital copies of Sunday's broadcast, well, Kyle Milroy was on the ball and has released the broadcast in three parts. You can get it as part of the Blue Bomber podcast wherever you get podcasts. The pregame and postgame shows, Loren, are posted separate from one another, and the full game is also a separate podcast if you like. Three podcasts, they've been posted all at the same time, and you can download those and save those on your phone for as long as you have that phone, for all eternity, potentially. So there you go. If you're looking for a copy, a digital version to listen back to those broadcasts, Bob Irving's last broadcast, that's how you do it.
1: Life is a highway. I think I'd like to get off this one this morning, but hey, here we are. You're listening to The Start, which normally includes Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, and of course me, Lorraine McNabb. I'm flying solo right now. Brett, not feeling too well today. Did the right thing. Stayed home because, of course, with COVID concerns, you can't be coming in when you don't feel well. Greg, off to Hamilton this morning along with... Bob Irving and a few other folks from Global TV and CGOB all heading to Hamilton for the big Grey Cup game Sunday. We're going to hear... Through- From them throughout the week, Greg will be rejoining us tomorrow morning, but here we are. Greg needs to catch a flight, Brett's not here, and I'm in alone, and so that inspired our having coffee chat at 6.45, which can bring you a chance to win Alice Cooper tickets. If you want tickets, let us know about that kind of gong show day you've had at work, like the one I'm having that had me racing to work in the car at 4.22 a.m., and trying to figure out how to get in the building. I didn't even have my building pass because I haven't been here in a year and a half. So I had to call folks at Global TV. It was just a big snafu, so to speak. And so we have listeners texting about all sorts of things from work snafus to holiday snafus. Like one listener who says... She was taking her daughter to the airport because her daughter planned to go to California to watch the jets. Well, that was the day Winnipeg had a blizzard. Her flight was scheduled to leave about nine. They get to the airport. They realize the flight coming in can't land because of this blizzard. So luckily, this mom knew someone at the airport. They managed to get us on a delayed flight in the wrong direction to Toronto. Finally made the connection to LA. Got there at midnight instead of dinner. Daughter is petrified of flying and it was a trip from... H E double hockey sticks. She spent a lot of time hopping from bar to bar just to calm her nerves. Yes, that can happen. You get to the gate, you just don't have the right information. You don't have your passport. I told you guys when I went to do Montreal coverage uh, of the election in September, I forgot my license, my credit card, and my interact card. Or at least I thought I had, found it later on the plane, but that was a whole other snafu. So keep those stories coming. 780 6868. Right now, we need to turn it to a really important conversation and one I think we're going to have for days uh this month because residential schools reconciliation of course have been top of mind and next week a group of thirty First first nations metis and inuit delegates from across this country are traveling to rome to meet with the pope at the vatican those meetings start december 17th and we know there have been calls for an apology for years now and of course those calls grew louder after the discovery of unmarked graves at former residential schools david chartran is the president of the manitoba metis federation and our guest this morning how are you doing david Good morning, Lorraine. Well, thanks for taking the time, because this is a big conversation to wrap up in a short period of time, and you don't have much time here this morning, or even with the Pope, so what are you planning to ask for?
8: Well, firstly, uh, I think our nuance and our, our distinct uh, request is going to be somewhat different than the other delegations that are going. Uh, we have, of course, the Métis National Council, who seems to have lost the question of what they're asking for. They're asking about drums and spirituality, and it's not us as a Métis we're very strong Catholic or Anglican, mostly Catholic, and so definitely I'll be uh, posing the question to the Pope. Firstly, the apology. I think uh, lorander is not a question. He's going to apologize. Why would he come? Otherwise, why would he come to Canada? Uh, he's already committed himself to come to Canada, but I'm still going to ask the question to make sure. And one of the one of the pressing points for me is to ask him to come to Manitoba, uh, because if there's anybody that uh, can reflect itself to the Catholic Church, it'll be the metis of the Red River uh... since our inception as a nation going back over 350 years uh... the church played a pivotal role immediately upon arrival and worked with the Métis nation and actually in our buffalo hunts there was always a catholic priest that uh, commissioned out the uh, prayers before the hunt started and the hunts were essential for survival Uh, without it uh, the nation would have uh, perished so it was very clear our relationship with the church is long-standing uh, in that context and if you look at the negotiations of Manitoba into Confederation, L'Oreal needed uh, uh, Archbishop Tashane and also Father Fadrachat, who, who led him on his behalf to Parliament, because uh, people may have forgotten by now, that Riel had a bounty on his head for 5,000 that are alive, even though he was a member of Parliament. He couldn't go to Ottawa to negotiate as the leader of Manitoba uh, to bring Manitoba to the Confederation, so Father Fadrachat represented him. And if you look at the Manitoba Act, uh, Catholic religion uh, and freedoms are inside uh, the Manitoba Act along with languages, in French and English. So so when you look at it from that context, the Church is very uh, strongly connected to the Métis. And yes, they did horrific acts. Uh, I'm talking about people, men and women, that represented the Church, who hid under the cloak of the Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely it's not the Bible telling them to do this, nor, nor of course the Vatican telling them to do this. It's really clearly some individuals who, and, but the Again, that challenge that the, the Vatican holds is that uh, the, uh, they protected them. And knowing f- full well these villains and these uh, predators uh, were doing harm. And I think that's one of the things that the, the Church still got to work itself around. How did that happen? And how were they, why were they protected, knowing full well uh, that this was happening? And people probably didn't believe it. Because uh, they, didn't, they didn't look at us as equal humans. They looked at us as lesser people. And, uh, and like myself, Lorraine, I was whipped in a wrist, and the wrist is soft. Uh, every time I spoke soto, mm-hmm. I was put my nose in a chalkboard, and, and I had to go on my tiptoes until my calves were burning. As soon as they come down, she'd whip me in the back of my calves to put my nose back in that circle and uh, put elastics on my hair because I had long hair. And I remember crying all the way in the lakeshore, and everybody laughing at me, mm-hmm. and I had about 100 elastics on my hair. And my mom didn't speak English. She only spoke sodo. So when I went home, my mom's famous words and most elders' famous words were mano. That means it's okay, let it go, leave it alone, mano, mano. That's all we ever heard from our elders because they wouldn't dare challenge the church. And but if they did, they couldn't speak English anyway. So how can they challenge the church? So, so this it. You know, you look at history. There's been some hardships, and you look at all these mass graves. There's no doubt my minders murdered there. And so, when you look at it overall, uh, there's a lot of healing that has to happen, and it's going to work, I think itself, if the Pope himself does the, uh, of course, uh, act of forgiveness and and apologizes for the wrongs the Church did in the sense of protecting these predators. So when you look at it from that context, uh, the main theme of my position will be later, is that my citizens are very, very worried, very worried, especially our elders and others, that the churches are shutting down in our villages. And now all you can find now is rotating priests.
1: So, David, I wanted to just jump in here because we have sure. less than a minute. I apologize sure. for that. But yeah. you're on your way to Rome. You want to hear an apology from the Pope. But you're all, yourself, you are a practicing Catholic, if I understand that, right? Yeah. And I'm just curious about what you're hearing from other people in your situation about reconciling what happened and what still needs to happen with your faith and still having that desire to walk into those churches every morning.
8: Well, thanks, Lauren. because that is the, that is the theme of the main theme I think we'll be pushing, is that there's many concerns by our people that the churches are shutting down, rotating priests are happening. Uh, we still have funerals, we still have baptisms, we still have weddings. We're going to need these priests, and we're going to need these churches. That's the only way we're going to feel uh, that the grieving has been full- fulfilled in the context directly with God. So, so when you look at it from that context, the churches still play a, a very important role. The concern I'm hearing from my people is they're shutting down, and we need a pope to commit itself that uh, I was, it was said best to a gentleman, uh, my uh, Emil from Senra. He said to me, he said, "Tell the Pope not to forget, not to forget us, and we won't forget him." So I think it's going to be a strong message we'll be taking, and we need him not to forget the Métis Nation the Red River. That we we work together in 1800s, early 1800s, right throughout. Yes, there's some bad stories yet we need to fill out, but we need to look towards the future. Also, we need them back in our communities. We need priests back in our communities. And we need to revive that before it dies, because if it dies, what do we do then?
1: Well, David, we'll have to leave it there, but hopefully we'll hear from you more in the days ahead. And of course, while you're overseas, safe travels. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Okay, I've been laughing because um, I'm back in studio. Wasn't planning to be back in studio until tomorrow, but then got the call around 4 a.m. Brett's under the weather. He's never under the weather. So the fact that he's feeling like he can't come in, I wholeheartedly support that because he needs to stay home and do the right thing and uh, hopefully feeling better soon. But in the meantime, that meant that I'm racing here because Greg is on his way as we speak. He should be at the airport now. He was aiming to get there for 9.30. He's on his way to Hamilton. Grey Cup coverage begins in earnest tomorrow on CJOB and on globalnews.ca and, of course, Global News at 6 and 10 and in the morning with a whole host of characters who are making their way to Hamilton. Greg is one of them. Bob Irving, of course, is one of them. There'll be a few others and we'll look to check in with some super fans and other people who are making that big trip to Hamilton for Sunday's Grey Cup. But that had us asking the question, snafus, work snafus, holiday snafus, what have you. 780-6868 780 is where you were to send your text to let us know about a time you really kind of screwed it up or maybe totally redeemed yourself. That's for a chance to win two tickets to Alice Cooper. Here's one listener's text. Forgot my passport traveling to Dominican Republic through the States with a team. The immigration officer didn't like it when I said that I had traveled to the U.S. before without a passport and told me I would have to go get it. Well, my day from hell begins. Taxi to my house. I don't have any keys, so I break into my house. I get passport. Taxi back. Miss the flight. The new flight had me hopping U.S. cities until I reached my destination 12 hours later. Yes, I had been there before. Forgot my ID or my passport, and the scramble is on. Jackie texts, In 1997, when the Rolling Stones came, my dad bought me a ticket for my birthday. We lived close to the arena, so my brother and my sister-in-law came to pick me up and we walked to the stadium. I guess in my excitement, I let go of my ticket and dropped it and didn't realize until we were almost at the gate. I don't know if someone was watching over me, but we actually found it. Amazingly, no one had picked it up. So Jackie got to see the Rolling Stones. I can't believe that no one picked that up, or maybe they just thought it was garbage, or I don't know how that got missed. But Jackie got to see the Rolling Stones. And that had me thinking, you know, I was at the Bombers game on Sunday, and you have to show those electronic tickets now. You can put them in your Apple wallet, show it over your phone, and same goes for the Jets. Basically, same goes for anywhere now. And I don't know why. I always have my phone on me. So It's probably better odds that I won't forget the tickets or lose the tickets, but I I miss holding the tickets in my hand. Like, it feels like until the moment they scan your phone, you're not so sure you're going to get in for some reason. It just doesn't feel as real. And so I don't think many of us forget our, you know, we try not to forget our phone, so it's the natural place for this to go and and keep those tickets on your phone. But I, I miss holding those paper tickets in hand. Okay, so Jackie got to see the Rolling Stones. Our winner this morning, getting two tickets to Alice Cooper, though is Bev. Bev says, my biggest snafu on my first south of the border trip with my sister. Of course, we were going to Vegas to watch curling. LOL. The snafu occurred as we got gussied up Saturday night for an evening concert to see Burton Cummings. Opened the vault to retrieve the tickets and found out they had actually been for Thursday's performance. This was Saturday. We cried at the box office and they were able to slip us in at the back row. Not the seats in row nine that we paid for, but very grateful they helped me recover from the gaffe. Burton was awesome. So because of that hometown tribute and, of course, the fact that she got the back row seats, we're hoping to give her a bit better of a seating situation with two tickets to Alice Cooper. Bev, thank you for the text and thank you for all our listeners this morning. But as we always like to say, do we not? The sun is shining. So yeah, it's cold, but the sun's shining. There. Have I made you feel any better? I doubt it. Welcome to the start. We have a bit of a few different days ahead. Uh, My day started with a phone call from Brett. Croaky, froggy sounding Brett, not feeling well. Brett never calls in sick, ever. He has not done it once in my three plus years here at CJOB. I don't think he did it much before that either, So hopefully he's able to get some rest and get back to us soon. But in the meantime, I raced into the studio so I could sit in Brett's chair and uh, fake my way through this morning. And Greg was with us right up until eight, but he has to catch a flight to Hamilton because of course he's on his way to the gray cup. So Greg's not here. So it's just me tomorrow. Greg will be back and, and we're looking forward to chatting with with him as we look to the lead up to Grey Cup. He'll be in Hamilton all week long. And in a moment, we do have a great fundraiser to tell you about. But we want you, if you can, if you have time, to head to our website right now, cjob.com, for our question of the day. You just heard that clip in the news run with Jeff Braun, with Alan Campbell of the School Boards Association. We spoke to him after seven just about, you know, the mood in schools right now as we lead up to the holidays, how badly that break might be needed for everyone and questions about case counts and all the rest. And it had us asking the question, CGOB.com question of the day, which, of course, is brought to you by Credit Aid. Worried about your debt? Call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. It had us asking, Ontario is sending rapid tests home over the holidays for families of school-aged children. Would you like Manitoba to do the same? Your options are yes, no, or maybe, but I need more information. You can vote at com and also send your v- feedback to 780-6868. One of our listeners saying this should have been happening a year ago, but we have had some studies to show that, you know, maybe it's not necessary. Well, others have shown it provides at least a bit of that peace of mind for parents when they're sending their kids back. So let us know what you think, either answering that question of the day or on our text line. Okay, so right now I think we know and we love to highlight so many great community organizations here at 680 CGOB because there are so many good people out there helping however they can. And someone reached out to us recently to see if we could shine a light on this next group. It's called 210 Recovery Inc. And we're joined now by Will Galt, aka Willie Dogs. He's the one that brought this to our attention. Good morning, Will.
9: Good morning, Lauren. How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you. And of course, with you, we have Ian Rabb, the founder of 210. Hi, Ian. Good morning. Thanks. Well, before we get to why Will wanted us to know about this, I just need to ask you, Ian, what is 210 Recovery?
4: Uh, 210 Recovery is structured sober living for people coming out of treatment centers uh, related to drug and alcohol addiction. And we've been around for about 15 years. We have 31 beds and uh, people get to live with us for up to two years post treatment. And we've had great success around uh, 83% success rates for people that ultimately stay with us long term we get people uh back into the workforce uh we get them off welfare and we get them to become self-supporting and contributing members of society so quite a quite a diverse uh number of things that we do we also have a woman's house that very often uh that's called destiny house and at the woman's house often uh women are are attempting to get their kids back so we work very closely with them So that they have a chance to get reunited with their children and their families.
1: So, why did you start the CN? Well, it's a long story. I I was
4: a doctor and I lost everything to drugs and alcohol and ended up on the street about 20 years ago. And my dad intervened and brought me back to Winnipeg and I got clean and sober. And wanted to give back, and my family at the time was in the uh, real estate business, so I got some help from my brother, and uh, we we bought our first house and started filling it. Um, and so I just thought it would be a great way to give back to the community. And and we we uh, we know also there's huge success rates um, in for people for people that want to recover from drugs and alcohol. Very often, 30 or or 45 or 60 day programs aren't enough. Uh, And the research shows that it's very evidence based that the longer you can keep someone in the recovery system of care, the better their chances of long term success are.
1: So Ian, I'm going to ask if you don't mind, I think you're having an alert go off on your computer. It might be an email alert. Yeah. So we're going to switch over to Will anyway. But while you do that, we'll, we'll put you on, on hold just so you can deal with that. And Will, I know, you know Ian has his personal story and his connection of basically losing it all and looking to make that road to recovery. And, and it's familiar to you in so many ways. Why is 210 important to you and your family, Will?
9: Well, 210 uh, was very instrumental for myself in giving me um, a safe structured, accountable environment to continue my journey in sobriety after I completed um, residential treatment out in Brandon. Um, I made the call to Ian in the summer of 2015, um, and he was there to answer that I called the a and he had it set up for a to for me when I came back from Brandon to uh, move into 210 Maryland, and it uh, it has played such a crucial role in my journey now over six years sober, it gave me the foundation and the basis to, you know, to start to heal as a person and to start to, like Ian said, um, you know, at the time I was on assistance and, you know, able to get back into the workforce and um, gave me the accountability that, uh, you know, I didn't have for many years going through addiction.
1: Well, congratulations on your six years of sobriety, Will. And, And I'm curious, you know, you talk about this idea that Yes, you can get into the treatment facility, but it might be a two-week program, a twenty-eight-day program, maybe a little bit longer. But then there's life outside of those walls, and the challenge when you step back out into the real world of maintaining that sobriety. You know, if you didn't have two ten, where do you think you might have been?
9: Sometimes I, you know, um, not even sure how to think about that because, um, you know, I, I was in treatment uh, a few times in the past prior to 2015, and. Overhouse were always on the table, and I kind of, you know, wanted to shy away from them because I think wholeheartedly I wasn't ready for, you know, 100% to give it all to to sobriety. So when I made that call in 2015, it was giving me the ins- I know I needed and wanted to be able to have that structure that you you know you, you need when you leave residential treatment because you know you need somewhere to go to feel safe also living with guys that are going through the same thing as you and get back into society and it's it's very crucial so i am not even sure where i'd be you know and uh i'm just very blessed that 210 recovery was there ian answered the call when i needed it and you know i'm uh i'm living a happy joyous and free life because of it
1: ian this doesn't happen with the you know without a lot of money and resources that have to go into it. You can't, you know, every person requires probably thousands of dollars in aid. So what sort of challenges do you have in in keeping this facility going? And what do you need our help with this morning?
4: Well, very interesting that you ask that. You know, we get a little bit of money from the government every year to staff. It's really important to have 24-hour staffing in the facilities. We've actually gone to this government uh, three or four times a year for asking for a small increase. We haven't been increased in the money that we've gotten over the last 15 years. We got the same amount we got 15 years ago with inflation and minimum wage increases. So we really struggle actually. Um, we struggle every year and we have, thankfully we have people like Will and we've had a couple other fundraisers and a couple other people that support us, but we really struggle and have begged um, government for, for help um, especially over the last two years during covid and it's been really uh, disheartening so will for the last couple years um, uh, has contributed obviously by um, by donating money from every sale um, of a soko burger uh, um, in december which is a little bit of help but we're we're in a place where we are quite desperate in the last uh, few years for substantial funds so um to keep it going and uh, I just personally fund any extra money um that has to go in because I think it's really important that we keep them keep these places going um so I've been happy to fund it, but um we're always looking for donations and help and in any way we possibly can get it and and we'd love government to come to the table and recognize what we've been doing for the last number of years
1: so you're personally contributing Ian out of your own pocket, it sounds like and and will uh through his own business, the Soko burger will what is that?
9: So the Taco burger was uh, started last year um, during um, the pandemic when our restaurant was only allowed to do takeout and delivery. Uh, we, re- we reached out to a good friend of ours, lawyer Bob, um, and mentioned, you know, we'd like to do this burger and, uh, you know, name it after him. And we'd like to try to raise some money for some different charities. And Bob immediately stepped on board and we donated uh, $1 from each burger. He matched $1 from each burger. So, all last winter, we did charities, and this December, uh, at Willie Dogs, we are doing the Soko Burger again, named after Bob, and this month, we have actually three partners. We have myself, Bob Sikowski, and Ian Rab. and just over the weekend, you know, I- I'm thrilled to uh, say we-, we hit a boost with this fundraiser. Uh, we had a gentleman who had followed my journey through social media and a mutual friend who had uh, matched our... Starting contribution of $500 donation. And this was immediately matched by Bob Sikowski. So we're starting this fundraiser with $1,000. And we're hoping it's going to be our best fundraiser, best fundraiser yet. So $3 from every SoCo burger sold for the whole month of December will go to help a place I called home in 2015.
1: Where do we find you, Will, if we want to get the burger or a hot dog or whatever else?
9: Exactly. We have a variety of stuff at Willy really Dogs, but uh, we are located inside the Lodge Club. And we are available for dine-in, take or delivery through skip-the-dishes.
1: Will, I'm just going to say that one more time. It just cut out there. You're where?
9: We are inside the Deer Lodge Curling Club at 425 Woodlawn Street.
1: And Ian, how do we donate? If we don't get the burgers, are there other ways to go about uh, giving some money to 210?
4: Yeah, you can go to 210 org and there's a donate button on the homepage. And also, I also like to make myself available for any families that are struggling. Um, they can always inbox me on Facebook or get my. I can give you my number, Lauren. I, I take calls from anybody who ever have family or friends that are struggling all the time.
1: Thank you, Ian. If I get any texts in and some are coming in already, I'll pass them on to you. So Ian Rabb, founder of 210, thank you for your time this morning.
4: I appreciate it. We thank you for... Uh, for highlighting
1: us. And Will Galt of Willie Dogs. Thank you for bringing this to our attention and for continuing to share your story and your path to sobriety. Six years sober, Will. Thank you.
9: Thank you so much, Lorette. A-
3: hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think.